Hello everyone, welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. I am your host, David Dacri. I'm a hospitality professional with two decades of experience in the bar and restaurant industry. My pursuit in this podcast is to have difficult conversations of our industry and of society as a whole. The end of the universe happens to be in the United States. I have seen it. And oddly enough, it's in Houston, Texas. I know, I know, I was shocked too. I left the comedy club there and walked down the street. On one corner, there was a Starbucks. And across the street from that Starbucks, in the exact same building as that Starbucks, was a Starbucks. At first, I thought the sun was playing tricks with my eyes. But no, there was a Starbucks across from a Starbucks. And that, my friends, is the end of the universe. All right, so in case you didn't recognize that, that was uh, Louis Black and his uh, comedy uh, piece uh, talking about the end of the universe, uh, he being here in Houston. Now, the funny thing about that is that I think he did that before uh, there was a third Starbucks on that same corner. And um, everyone in Houston, at least in the inner loop, knows that corner. It's on, on uh, West Gray and Shepherd. But there is a, a Barnes and Noble that was constructed right there in that same shopping center where that, where the star, one of the Starbucks is. And inside of that Barnes and Noble, there is another Starbucks. Now, unfortunately, because of, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, I don't really know uh, how the universe works because it works in mysterious ways. Um, one of the Starbucks had to shut down after during this coronavirus. Uh, situation, but I wanted to make this clear. There were three Starbucks at that same corner. Two that you can see, and then you had the speakeasy Starbucks inside of uh, Barnes and Nobles. So today's uh, episode is going to be with um, Ben Williams, and when Ben Williams is someone that I've known for for quite some some years, probably seven or eight years by now. And uh, at the time that I met him, he had just got interested in, in doing this thing he had this little hobby this little project he was kind of just playing around with and uh every time i saw him and and he either would bring it up or or i would you know ask how's you know what have you been up to and, and how's this thing going and you know he gave me uh updates and eventually uh it all came to fruition of course not without some uh peaks and valleys uh in between and and uh not without uh, testing the, the man's character. And, um, and so I was able to get him on the phone uh, recently to do an interview. Uh, in all transparency and honesty, uh, we did this interview twice before. The first time I was using equipment that wasn't mine, so I wanna say that I'll, I'll take 50-50 <laughs> responsibility for that. Um, you know, equipment malfunction. And I ended up not having the uh, recording. The second time, um, I my computer crashed, and uh, and that was the end of that. So he was kind enough to come about, come around the third time, and and do this. And the the interesting thing is that it happened post COVID. So so much of the things that we talked about before are no longer relevant. So I'm kind of glad, 
in in some ways that that you know it worked out the way it had to the way that that i that i see it and um so let's go ahead and and, and hear some of his story um because because opening a distillery is not a simple thing and uh and ben is someone like i said that i that i was close enough to sort of be there at the very beginning to hear him talk about it as something that was just this thing and suddenly the guy actually has a really good product so let's get into it when was it that you uh came up with the idea of uh, starting a distillery and why would you do it in houston well i mean Number why Houston is because that's where I live and operate, so that wasn't any you know big deal. But like, I mean, you know, having owned a couple bars and restaurants and stuff like that, it just really was in a and loving you know spirits as I do. Uh, you know, it was just like a hobby, dude. Like I just started looking into it, just like you know, I don't know, just kind of one. I just started reading about it, watching videos and stuff. Like, yeah, I'm gonna buy a little still and play with some stuff and bought a little 13 gallon, uh, six column, uh, six tier, uh, reflux column or whatever, and uh, bought that thing and you know, just started running water first of all, and then sugar water, stuff like that, you know, just, just messing around and then start playing with some grains and stuff, you know, just looking up recipes online and trying them out and then i got to the point to where i started having something that was kind of you know that i thought was you know palatable and i would just start you know taking it to the the spots and letting some regulars taste it just to see what they thought like oh look at this little stuff you know friends and stuff and then i had a buddy of mine who uh had started a dispensary in cali and he was telling me how people were infusing you know weed into spirits and stuff and so it gave me the idea, like, and, and we, I saw, I saw one of the things, whatever, and you know, I saw the, all these weird oils and stuff that were taking place, and so I just said, well, I want to try something like that, but obviously not with weed, but um, so I just started looking into hemp, and it was purely just out of just trying stupid stuff, you know what I mean? Just like just messing around, just like, being experimental. Like yeah, it was just a hobby, you know what I'm saying? So like, oh, I'll play with this, and so tried every part of the plant. You know what I'm saying? And then finally settled on, you know, a particular strain of seed, a whole seed. And, man, you know, I ran it a couple of times. And then finally I was like, wait a minute, this is actually like the best stuff that I've ever run. And so took it on up, you know, started tasting my friends on it, tasting a couple of, you know, like I said, regular customers, just letting them taste this this thing that I made. And what was interesting was everybody always wanted to taste the stuff uh, neat and room temperature, right? Which is odd for vodka, right? I mean, nobody really drinks it that way. Yeah. But that that was really the biggest gift because I had to learn how to gear it to that palate, right? And the ultimate benchmark being uh, girls. You know what I'm saying? Like if a girl tasted and her face didn't curl up and all that <laughs> stuff, you know, drinking some room temperature vodka straight, then I knew I, you know, I, I was onto something, and so. Then I then from the other side of it, the the actual process of making it, which which was so cool, was that like the oils that come from the hemp seed. Like the first time I did it, man, that stuff was in that in that batch, and it was 
Oh, dude, it was it was terrible. It was like uh, it, the, the mash looks so gross because after it ferments, that oil sits on top of the the, the, the the batch, and it just looks disgusting. It looks like oatmeal with olive oil just poured all into it, you know. And I just only at this time I was only using corn, water, and hemp, right? Okay. Well, that, that's what I use, period. But like, um, and that actually came out of just kind of being lazy because it's kind of like a siphon that you stick. I would stick in between the grain that had settled on the bottom and the oils that were at the top, and I would just kind of re- just siphon out all the liquid in between, right? But it was really problematic and 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 messy, you know. But that's what I was doing, you know. And I was running that and getting a great, you know, product. And I noticed that my yields went up because hemp actually acts as like a superfood for yeast so makes the yeast live longer eat stronger and wow. turn more sugar into alcohol and so my yields started getting bigger and stuff like that so all that was cool and then one day um now mind you i'm doing this at, at my uh my partner he had a barn and uh because he was big into horses and cows and all that crap <laughs> and you know you can't be running a still you know at your house in my neighborhood and stuff so i set the still up over at his house i mean at the barn the horse barn and so we'd be sitting in there you know horses all around and stuff just running stuff but one day out of being lazy because so i would make my batches at home and then rack them off and bring them to the still right but i was feeling lazy one day i didn't feel like racking and cleaning up the mess i just took the whole fermentation tank over there at the time it was about you know like 10 gallons so um, you know i took it on over there and uh i was like man i'm just gonna dump the whole thing in there so that's the that's the grain the oil and the liquid just just dump. i don't feel like racking it let's just run it and see what happens and man that that's that's what changed everything that was really? like the best batch that, I, that we had ever made because man it, it came out so smooth right it was super smooth and like and the and the and the viscosity of the body of the spirit changed that oil uh stayed in there because at the time i was doing uh six six distillations and i still am but i've since experimented with everything from four to twelve just trying to find that right place but apparently six is the right place because what six does is it allows the flavors of the, the grains to stay present right so you still get the sweetness of the corn and stuff like that the hemp does not really impart flavor. Right. The hemp is more so about the help in the process. So that oil, it goes into the still. It sits on the top of the water almost like a, for lack of a better word, like poopery, right? Most, <laughs> I mean, it's real, dude. Like, that shit is real because, like, poopery, the active ingredient, is the essential oil yeah. that kind of sits on top of the water to keep the stuff down. Yeah. And so it's the same concept. So what was happening is, is that, when you run the still and that shit is sitting on the top, that oil um, is filtering, it's filtering, it's filtering. And so it's knocking off all that bad stuff. And then doing it at six times allows the, the flavors to kind of still live and not wash them out. You know, like people what? like, oh, no, here is the problem that I that I encountered over the years. Because mind you, this was a seven-year process to get into the point to where I – you know, we settled on, okay, this is it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, well, seven years to, to market, but pretty much working on it up until damn near is that we start bottling for the first time. Just, just, just fine tuning different things, you know, you know, collection methods and stuff like that. Like it says on the label, all hearts, no tails. 
that there are four parts to distillation. There are the, the four shots, the heads, the hearts, and the tails, right? Yeah. Most big places, or most places, period, they, they will collect the hearts and the tails yeah. to uh, blend. So it increases your yield per batch, you know, so it equals more money, right? Right. But um, but since I was just making it for the, for the homies, basically... I uh, I only collected the hearts, you know, which is the most the purest part oh, of the run. Absolutely. Yeah, and I don't know how to. Well, again, I'm not. I'm too lazy. I don't. I don't want to learn how to blend and blend the tails in, and you know, just to squeeze every bit of alcohol in there. You know, I don't even bother with that. You know what I'm saying? I just kept the hearts, and uh, and that makes a big difference in the flavor, the 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 way that it makes you feel after you drink. Absolutely. You yeah, Absolutely. you can drink a ton of highway, and man, you—I don't advocate this, but if you're gonna be home, if you're if you're shut down in quarantine, and you're just gonna be at home, and you want to pound back at seven fifty over the evening, oh no, no, <laughs> you, you'll be fine in the morning. Anyway, yeah, no, you know. And then, so you don't want to get that pushback because I know the bartender community, I know owners. You just like, yo, you don't want to deal with anything that gives you problems. Yeah. And so and so, therefore gearing it to where it still had just a, a a little bit of something so you know it's present but not that not a bite you know that was the that's what i really am glad we were able to accomplish because that's a delicate dance right there like to, yeah to let you know that there's some alcohol in here but it's not gonna fight you on the way down you know what i mean yeah 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 no that's a that's 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 quite a task to 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 yeah. take on uh, yourself for for no other reason than to, uh, I guess you know, make it easier on somebody else. Make it easy on myself, dude. That's what you know. That's what it was. You know, it was for, it was making it easy on my friends. You know, that nice. were drinking this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I'll never forget. I was in New Orleans with the wife and. Uh, Never mind. That's not a good story. I guess. <laughs> I, I, I drank, well, let's put it this way. I had one too many of Highway uh-huh. in a water bottle. I was walking around Bourbon Street with a water, 16-ounce bottle full of it. Had one too, not one too many, 16 ounces, but I drank a lot. Yeah. And I woke up in the morning. I was I was, I was blasted that uh-huh. night. And then, uh, you know, Bourbon Street blasted. And then uh, I woke up in the morning, and I'll never forget the first thing I said was, I don't have a hangover. <laughs> just like I was tired, but I had no headache. I didn't want to barf, you know, none of that kind of stuff. It was all good, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, that's when I really realized, like, just being my own crash test dummy, that it, it, the 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 theory works, yeah. you know. And uh, it's still bad for the liver, though. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. I mean, sure. You know, it's bad. <laughs> don't do it. You know what I'm saying? But you know, on those stupid nights when you accidentally overdid it, yeah. You'll be, You'll be better for it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that that's... Uh... So I'm, my, my next curiosity, my next question to him was, that what was it like to maneuver through the red tape of getting the licensing? What was it like to get a distributor, right? Someone who's going to put your product out there to, to, the, to the world. And, and what was it like to, to, to pretty much dot your I's and, and cross your T's? Because a distillery license, uh, you know, TTB and 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 the TABC and the, the and, you know the, the federal government, uh, are can be difficult to deal with. And in particular, when it comes to um, a product like hemp oil, it has no THC. However, it's hemp, and because it's not legal in every single state, it causes problems. 
more importantly is, even though you can get all that, how do you get to the store shelves or to the back bar? years of paying rent like you know so it worked out on an approved site which can't be like a little 200 square foot space you know has to be approved to you know whatever so like uh yeah so anyway three and a half years later get the permit by then danny had moved on um so he was no longer an, an option for me he left me a couple of contacts you know i'm trying to fish around i had some meetings with some folks stuff was looking good you know, the big companies, they have these little, you know, incubator programs for small guys. And again, I wasn't going into the thing with delusions of, you know, I'm going to be, you know, whoever. Yeah. You know, I just I just wanted to see about putting this, pro- I, you know, I mean, they, I, I like starting stuff. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, so, and so I just was like, let me, uh, you know, see it through or whatever. So I'll never forget this, dude. I, so I had a meeting with the guy kind of high up in one of the, these big companies. And, uh. And so he basically came, I'll never forget, we were sitting at table number 26 at, at Lucille's having lunch, and he proceeded to basically crush my dreams, saying that, uh, <laughs> now mind you, it had been all positive until I actually had the permit in my hands, you know what I'm wow. saying? And uh, so I guess he had just been, you know, whatever. And so he crushed my dream, like, yeah, it's not going to happen, but, you know, maybe you can, I can introduce you to a broker and... He could probably get you in a couple of stores. Yeah, you can get your little stuff in a couple of stores and, you know, be happy and go on about your normal business. Now, mind you, I had to get out of the restaurant business to do this because you can't have both permits. So I was like, well, it's not really that simple because I'm kind of out here now. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. I, I can't do both. And so um, – and so he just, you know, so I'll never forget. So I, I couldn't get out of that meeting soon enough, and I just left him. I didn't pay for his tab or nothing. I was like, All right, well, they'll, they'll bring you your bill. I'm, I'm out of here. You know, I had to leave and get out because I was fucking pissed. You know what I'm saying? Like crushed. He kind of, yeah, for real. Because I was like, fuck. And now I'm three and a half years in. You know, and now I'm it's, it's beyond a hobby. Now I'm thinking I'm going to have a business of some whatever scale. I'm just thinking I'm going to have a business. You yeah. Know? Now, now it's an and, investment. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, now I talk about like the money over the years and and stuff like that, and and the time. You know what I'm saying? And then there's something about when your hobby shifts to a business. It's like at that moment, let me just say, it wasn't fun anymore. It wasn't a hobby. It was like, wait a minute, no man, this is something I'm invested in. It had kind of shifted in my brain at that moment. Like, wait a minute, no, fuck that. It's not over. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like because. You know, I'm not just going to go back and just making it for fun at this moment because now I've come too far. So anyway, I, I leave that meeting. I go call my, my mentor guy, a really successful restaurant guy, owns a bunch of stuff and was like, you know, telling him what happened and just like, damn, you know. And uh, and so he called a buddy of his like, well, let me see if I can get you, you know, somebody else that knows somebody, whatever, whatever. So he calls his friend and that friend turned out to be. Tom Montague, who is now the VP of uh, Silver Eagle Distributing in Houston, the Budweiser House for Houston. Yeah. Which is also the largest uh, Budweiser House in the nation, right? Huge company. And so, uh, and he was like, hey, man, why don't you let us try it? And he's like, nah, it's not beer, it's, uh, it's, it's vodka. He's like, nah, we're about to move into spirits, you know, let us just, you know, take a chance, you know, let's, let's just see. Man, we set that meeting up, dude. It was him and, uh, 
JJ John Johnson is now the CEO of Silver Eagle. Uh-huh. Uh, he we we have a meeting. I do them, and what I would do at Lucille's all the time or wherever I would do like a, a a Pepsi challenge. Like, what's your favorite vodka? Give me two brands. We'll you know swish them around, and you choose. You know what I'm saying which one you like best. And dude, I was winning like consistently. Wow. So I did the same test with them, right? Pepsi challenge. And boom, dude, they all chose Highway, dude. And, and man, that was it. They signed me up. And, uh, you know, I was there. I was Silver Eagle's very first spirit that they ever carried. And uh, Oh, not and just I first was, vodka, but first spirit? Yeah, first spirit, period. Wow. And so, you know, they said, you know, we have a lot to learn because we're not into spirits, but we'll learn it together. And, man, they've been the best partner that I could ever have hoped for it, dude because man, i'm gonna tell you gamers dude they, they go hard and, and like it, it was just it was the big the biggest so that guy should have bought his lunch actually because <laughs> you know had he not oh man and one day he called me up you know and uh out of the blue and he was like yo um he's like yo man i got a uh i got i met this broker i don't know if you ever found one you know i could introduce you to him so it was cool you know he, he's still you know whatever and I was like, well, no, I found a broker, you know. <laughs> and he was like, oh, really? What's his name? And I was like, yeah, Silver Eagle. He was like, no, 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 they, they sell beer. I was like, no, I'm their first period. He was like, what? And I was like, yeah. But that was a good little but they, Marquee <laughs> Vapors moment. You know what I mean? Like, like, yo, man, it wasn't over, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. So, okay, yeah. so another question. What, who are the people that are the most influential in your life? And, and meaning in, in who helped you develop into the person that you are today? I mean, my parents, clearly. My family, you know. Um, I just come from a family of entrepreneurs, basically. And, uh, and I never really realized uh, how much that affected me growing up um, to where that... You know, just growing up. Um, hold on one second, David. Yeah. I got it. Okay. So, yeah, I never really realized um, how much that affected me being exposed to entrepreneurs uh, just my whole life, you know, and seeing people do weird things and and being successful. And, um, and, I, and I don't mean when I say being successful, I don't mean like, billionaires and stuff like that but i mean just being successful being able to provide for their families and have a happy life doing things that they love you know what i mean as opposed to uh whatever you know what i mean so i never i didn't really have any in my immediate family or extended family it's really interesting now that i just sit here and think about it. And even going back obviously well you know for going back it, it's, it's pretty clear but like yeah like i didn't really have a lot of corporate examples you know what i mean people that i don't know that was somebody that was high up at at&t or something like that you yeah. know what i mean like kind of you know corporate examples everybody was entrepreneurs everybody had their own business you know or trying to start their own business or doing something like that or being really creative and like being arts or business you know and so like it just you know that was just what I just grew up seeing and like that bug bit me from very early like shoot back in middle school you know I was 
I was selling candy. You know what I'm saying? And then, yeah. and then in high school, I started doing these. I don't know if you remember those ripped up jeans with the like graffiti on them and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I used to do those for people, and I used to DJ parties and throw parties, and then going into college, you know, throwing more parties and stuff like that, and concerts, and just stuff like that, and just just doing, like, stuff that I thought was cool, and, like, and that was always my barometer, like, man, would I like this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, you, if, if you're honest with yourself, number one, see, because, like, for me, ideas come, and, like, you'd be like... You know, you get a million ideas, but there's certain ideas that come and just stick in your brain that that won't go away, and like they could be years and years. And if you have an idea that's been kind of lingering around your mind for years, you need to go on and do that and, and move on that, and then just you know and see what happens. You know, good, bad, or otherwise. You know what I mean? Like, cause those are often the things that 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 you know will give you a little purpose and and like uh, yeah, I think and oftentimes so. work out. And give you the passion to see it through, you know? Yeah, I think some ideas are more universal than others. I like to do drugs because they made me feel good. <laughs> One thing I like to do when I'm really bored is I like to get really high. And then I like to go to that Google Maps. And I go to the street view. And I just drive. See what's out there in that great big world of ours, you know? <laughs> Put a little desk fan there, feel the wind in my hair. <laughs> really live, you know? Uh, I do smoke weed, but I don't wake and bake. I woke and coke. <laughs> do you guys know this? Back in the day, they actually used to put cocaine in Coca-Cola. Do you know you still can? <laughs> Don't you call it Coca-Cola classic? So at this point, we go a little bit into um, what it was like to transition, to pivot from the, the, the regular world into the coronavirus world right the COVID-19 world and how was it that suddenly you are trucking along doing normal business and and then you have to shut down like in addition to that he has a distillery so a lot of distilleries went into doing uh, hand sanitizers so my question to him was let me ask you this so you you have been looking into making the um the hand sanitizer because that's something distilleries do and it supplements or what yeah was- because it's just another you know man because you start looking around at all this equipment and permits and stuff and you're like man what else can i do you know that doesn't take as long as whiskey you know which i love i love that stuff but you know just kind of you know you just get random thoughts and, and and then i was watching the stuff occur you know what i'm saying but yeah. having no idea it was gonna like you know, swell like it did. Um, so I just, it, that's what triggered me. Just like, oh, that's kind of interesting, you know, and I have the equipment to do that and I have the permits to do that and stuff like that. <clears throat> so I wonder, you know, what about that, you know? And um, and just thinking of it as, you know, maybe just be a nice little product to kind of supplement, 
you know, the stuff in general, you know, not, not thinking of, you know, any kind of looming disaster, you know, <laughs> just kind of like, like that would be kind of cool to have another product going out the door of some sort. Maybe, you know, it has a wider audience, you know, I could yeah. get into all kinds of stories, you know, that just thinking about it, like as a business, not like, you know, right, a viable product that, that yeah, just a viable product in between batches you can get you you can put out right, there. exactly, <clears throat> and stuff like that. Just just something else to add a little revenues to what's you know to what you know your little business that you set up. Yeah, and then um you know so then so that was really it. I mean and uh, but then all of a sudden you know it just kind of you know went where it went and so. You know, so, yeah, to answer your question, I mean, yeah, it wasn't, I never, I guess I never really had time to to be shocked or, or, or scared or whatever. I mean, obviously, and then honestly, too, like, when we were doing that stuff, I fast forward to when the shutdown happened that first night or second night, whatever that weekend was where I was just in the, in the place all that time, and I'd go home in the middle of the night, like, 3 in the morning or whatever, now, normally the roads are pretty clear at those hours anyway, but dude, when I tell you nobody on the streets except for cops, and I was like, oh shit, you know, like, yeah. you know, like, and I, so I had the shit in my car in case I get pulled over, like, look, I know I'm making sanitizer. You, know, so, but, <laughs> you want some? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yo, I, I handed so much out to cops, dude. Like, I, you know, every time I just pull up next to a cop, I just drop my window and be like, you want some sanitizer? And they just, I throw it in there passenger seat and keep pushing and stuff like that i mean um but yeah it was really eerie because it was you know you just you never see the streets i mean like from from the distillery all the way home which is probably about i don't know maybe 18 miles like on the beltway and stuff like that no not one car coming or going yeah you know what i'm saying i agree with you because you know sometimes i would go and, and take a walk walk my dog and it was an eerie silence it wasn't quiet it was just silence so it was was just it was it was something else i mean when i reflect on it 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 was really it was kind of like walking through a zombie land you know but like you have like a charm that kind of protects you and people see you whip out the charm they're like i want it (laughs) you know what i'm saying like I play a lot of video games, so I, I might that might be a video game reference, but probably, you know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's kind of what it was like, dude. To be honest, it was really something else. I mean, you whipped that out, and it would be like people's. It was almost like if you were standing in the post office and just sparked up a cigar, how people would just look at you like, "What the hell?" Yeah, <laughs> you know. And I would just whip that out, and be like, psh, psh, and they would just be like, "Hey." Where'd you What's get that? that? Where'd you get that? Where Where did you get it? Blah blah blah. And, yeah. all that. and I was just like, I mean, literally, like, if there were six, pe- ten people in the post office, like eight of them, all of a sudden they're just standing around me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, my like, golly, you know what I'm saying? This stuff. But, is, it was all going great until Corona. So a lot of the, my other territories in the states kind of slowed down, but in Houston, in particular, man, we just oddly enough kind of just took off and. Uh, and uh as you should i don't think i don't think other brands that claim to be from texas should be big in houston because they're not even really from texas not to name any names i'll let you say i didn't say it but (laughs) i'm saying that and and therefore i think that the, the the true local uh products are are the ones that should be 
representing that people are the ones that that the local boards should be supporting because yeah. uh you know and the thing is is like with beer it's it's that is most definitely the case i go to other cities even in texas i remember being in austin not that long ago and looking at the beer selection i'm like you know you have any art car <laughs> from st right. arnold's or you know do, do you got any any uh mini boss or and right. they're like yeah no we don't we don't we don't carry that we have these logo and i'm like oh austin beer okay no i'm i'm good well you know what's no, interesting which about which that, I'm, like, I'm playing i mean austin's got some good beer too but it's no, just no, you course, get so but, used but, to having like six or seven taps of houston beers only and then yeah. you have the other stuff man well you know what's interesting about breweries for instance and um what I found in talking to a lot of those guys, and some of the bigger ones, man, like that—that that are doing great business, man. But if, if you, when you speak local, one brewery in particular, a nice size brand, you know what I'm saying? But the the, the bulk of now, and this is the city of Houston, dude. You know, fucking huge, and they're doing great, knocking it out the park, you know. But the bulk of their business, like almost ninety percent, is within a ten mile radius of their brewery so you're talking about local you know what i'm saying talking about hyper local i was amazed at that and i mean like but man you know what i'm saying like if you can't if you can't do well in your backyard you know with music and stuff it seems to work the opposite you gotta go get famous somewhere else before they'll come to your show here but like this seems the exact opposite i mean you have to really own your backyard to a degree and, and, and show that you, you know, get your get your city behind you, dude. Or you first get your get get your boys behind you. Number one, yeah. get your crew, and then get your little neighborhood, and then so on and so forth. You know what I mean? Because like, and that's how you do it, man. Because I'm just thankful to be in the position that we're in. But first of all, I'm thankful every fucking day for for everything, yeah. and like to be in this position. Uh, it's just such a huge blessing and stuff like that. And just so cool to make a living, you know, fucking yeah. making spirits, <laughs> making hooch, <laughs> making hooch, bro. My grandmother, she used to just laugh. She was like, yeah, moonshiner. And I was like, well, not really. She's I like, pay well, taxes. Uncle. So no, yeah, like, oh, do I? Yes, sir. But like, but yeah, she like, well, you know, your, uh, your great uncle used to do that and all that kind of stuff. So, but I mean, like, yeah, I mean, well, um, I've said it before yeah. to where it's, is that Houston, it's a great place to be right now because there is so much growth that we are, are, are poised to do even with the coronavirus and even even though that is actually changing society the way that we do things i think on the other side we we are going to there's some things we won't do as much and other things we're going to do more of but i think that houston as a city as as we grow it's uh it you're right there's so much happening right now and there i i like the fact that for the most part people support local yeah, that, and you know that there's a lot of talent that needs that support. You know what's interesting, man, is like if you just look at it from a pure numbers standpoint, you know, because you know, obviously, you know, especially with a product, right? Not a service, but a product. It seems like everybody wants to beat their chest. Yeah, I'm national. I'm placed national. But like we talked about earlier, you know, you got one bottle in Georgia, you got two in Arkansas, whatever. Yeah. But man. You got. You never forget that Houston is like the fourth or third, whichever the census swings. Yeah, largest city in America, right? Texas is like what the eleventh largest economy in the world. Yes. So, man, you you don't have to. You know, I'm not tripping like, like right now on 
you know, oh, I got to get into Louisiana or wherever, right? Man, no. I mean, there's so much ground to cover in Houston. I'm telling you. Alone. That if you can if you can get strong placement just just from a small business perspective, right? If you could just get traction in this city, your 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 kids are good. Um, yeah. You know, the, the 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 tasting room, man. That that's one of my goals with that place. Like I told you, we built we bought like seven and a half acres. You know, yeah. right behind the distillery. Um, man, we're gonna be able to have concerts back there. You know, what I'm saying it's beautiful. It's like it's like twelve minutes from downtown right down 288 but like you think you're like in the country somewhere because it's all enclosed with trees and stuff and oh dude so we're shooting for like april there's too many humans in new york there's too many humans eight and a half million people live in 300 square miles why (laughs) if you break that down that's 27,000 people Per mile. How do you live? <laughs> Whose idea was this? <laughs> y'all just strapped two islands together with some bridges and was like, oh, y'all got to see this now. <laughs> and God forbid one of these Yankees finds out I'm not from New York. Oh, you're not from New York? They all sound like witches to me. You're not from New York? <laughs> What do you mean you're not from New York? No, through the grace of God, I was not born here. Thank you. (laughs) Where are you from? Atlanta, you're welcome. (laughs) Like, oh, you must be so glad to be in New York. The South is so racist. The South is so racist. Oh. (laughs) I know the North is more racist because in the North, they split up white folks. They got Italian neighborhoods, Irish neighborhoods. I live in a Greek neighborhood. You know what Irish and Italian and Greek is in the South? White! (laughs) Nobody has time to break down your brand of whiteness, okay? I don't care what flag your Caucasian flies under, Brandon. (laughs) Go vote and sit the hell down. What do you want from me? I got a buddy of mine, a really good friend. Uh, he's a professional drummer. He's actually putting uh, Rolling Stone magazine as one of the top 100 drummers ever. Wow. Uh, Chris Dave. Yeah, he plays everybody. I, I can't even give all his accolades. I mean, he's, he's really What's his successful. name? Chris Dave. And uh, he played with everybody, dude. Just any and everybody. You, you name it. And uh, on their albums and their, all kinds of Anyway, but Chris from the age of like six. Like I met Chris at like around eight years old. He's been my boy ever since, but that's that's been his thing, you know, his drums, period. And so like, and he's just like, yo man, I don't want to do nothing else. I, this is all I want to do, I'm in. And the same with my brother, you know, like cooking, like he's like, yo man, this is what I do. Good, bad, or otherwise, you know what I'm saying? like. I can either make a living off this or I'll be broke, but I'm pretty much going to be doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and just, and just follow, because that's what he loves to do. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's just, it's the same like with my older brother, you know, he loves dance. You know what I'm saying? So he started a, this dance company 
in, in D.C. And, I mean, he's been all around the world. And here he is 30-something years later, you know, one of the most successful dance companies in the country. I mean, you know, so it's just like, it's like just just following your passion, dude, is, is really just where it's at. You know? Yeah, and the thing is about those things is uh, like like your friend, the drummer, who is like, I'm in and this is what I'm going to do. Whenever you put that much time into it and you, you know, there's that much time into it and you develop the skills, then you get good enough. Somebody's going to pay you for it. Exactly. But, but, but that's the biggest thing you said, the time. That, that's the one thing that I mean, I, I myself am a victim, too. But when I talk to people you know, sometimes about businesses that they want to start, blah, blah, blah. But nobody wants to hear that part about seven years. You yeah. know what I'm saying? As far as the... Uh, yeah, the distillery. The, the, the vodka, yeah, the liquor goes. And, and then, or, or, or like with my boy Chris, I'll never forget, we were somewhere and uh, he was playing for somebody and uh, I was like, yo, man, why are you playing so straight? You know what I'm saying? Why aren't you doing all that, you know, that stuff? And he's like, dude, it took me seven years to learn how to play like that. <laughs> like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you cannot, yeah. you, that, that's the thing, man, that you cannot get around is the time you must put in to be successful at anything. I mean, and it sucks because who want I mean, you know, I want it now. But <laughs> it's, just, it's just not real. Unless yeah. you play the lottery, you know, or something. But everybody, and I read books constantly on and listen to podcasts on, you know, how companies were started and all that. Dude, the backstory, it's time, bro. It's time. It really does, So, man. my last question is, uh, when you have the opportunity to be anywhere that you you, you, you can be or want to be, like, what's what's your, your favorite place? When it's all up to you, it's like, you know, that place that you feel like this is, this is it. You know, this is home. This is where I want to be. I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. Man, that's a tough one because for me, just right again, I just go with the first thing that comes to mind. Shit, that's home. Shit, with my kids. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying, man? I mean, I love them. They're the best. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's just talking about watch something grow. You know what I mean? Wow. Like that, yeah, you don't, you don't grow shit like you grow some kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, fuck plants anything you know businesses watching your children grow and that's a whole another thing so yeah i mean yeah definitely be home there's nothing like getting home and just that exhale and okay you know my kids are teenagers now they don't really fuck with me like they used to and they're little bit yeah i still just just knowing i'm in the building with them is great well what about a, a place whenever you you want to be by yourself oh well that place uh, I would have to, man. Honestly, man, Lucille's, bro. With, with, yeah? with my brother. Yeah, yeah, with my brother. Oh, that's Not, cool. After hours, Lucille's. Oh man. Me. Yeah, <laughs> you, you you know the vibe, man. I love those moments, man. And like, and man, you know, I've had such brilliant, I say brilliant, that have come through. The people that you get to meet in a restaurant environment, man, from all different walks of life that have done this and that and this and that and, you know, man, and a couple of cocktails, y'all are talking and you're just getting to know people's lives and I love that environment. I love bellying up to a bar and, and talking, to, talking to people, man, for hours and just, and, and learning about what, and 
stuff like that and uh and seeing you know just because just like anything like when you when i read these books and on people's lives or listen to podcasts on people's business you're always grasp you always hear one or two things that you can apply to your CEO books and stuff one book i recommend because we're talking about the time that it takes and blah 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 is uh this book called good to great man it's, it's a crazy study on companies that um you know what makes you know what what took them from being good to great so what's it called again good to great okay yeah and uh so yeah, you, you know, it, it, and I, so I've since read all of his books. Can't remember the author's name. I'm not good with that kind of retention, but uh, I've read all of his books since then. And, and uh, it's, it's just that's the thing, man. You just got to constantly be learning, you know, and checking out history and see what other people have done and and what people are doing and stuff like that. Because I don't care how many people say they created stuff in a vacuum. I I really doubt that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta evolve as a human and, and learn and just stay learning. You know. Hey man, I really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, man. Uh, third time's a charm. Third time is the charm. <laughs> Until you call me up tomorrow, like, yo, man. Uh, yo, man. Let me tell yeah. you what happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, bro. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna bring you some of that whiskey, dude. Okay. Yeah, I definitely want to try it out. I, I I look forward to to the all the new releases, and uh, you know someday maybe you know we can collaborate or something. For sure, I'm man. Just... I got some ideas. I'll talk to you about it. Well, man, uh, I appreciate you. All right, man. Thank you, bro. So there it is, Houston product for all you Houston local boys. It is a vodka, sure, um, but plenty of you drink Tito's um, it is uh, but it's it's local um, we did talk about some uh, whiskeys and um, I think that that is going to be exciting because the base that he's starting with is so pure um, part of the beauty of talking to Ben about this is that I have you know again been been around him uh, just uh, just enough to to have seeing him have this vision and uh making it come to fruition and i think that that is a that is always an event a circumstance that is great to be around because the qualities of a person that is able to bring a project like that to fruition means like he said time persistence you know it, it was it his passion to distill I don't think so I think it was his passion to be his own boss and he found something that he enjoyed doing uh, he enjoyed the people that are around this industry and uh, he pursued that as a way of becoming his own boss so that is interesting in in, in itself because for some people say that you shouldn't pursue your passion, you should pursue a career or an opportunity, which is true. Uh, but the fact is, is that whenever you're doing something um, like building a business, it is so extreme at certain points that it is the only thing that you do. So you have to be passionate about it. Otherwise, you can easily give up. And although you should follow your uh, opportunities to 
unique to who you are and the talents and the skills that you have, um, it is, I believe, still your passion that, that gets you through it. And uh, Ben has been able to find that. Um, so kudos to him. Congratulations to him to be able to have uh, put this whole thing together. So finally, I am able to put this episode together after so a couple of failed tries to um, interview Ben and, and put his story out there. Uh, I'm going to head out and um, check out the Perside Meteor Shower that is happening tonight. Uh, I hope that you do the same, even though by the time you hear this, it's already happened. It's already gone. Um, but nonetheless, we are in a big shift in this world. Things that we used to do, we're no longer going to be doing. And I think that part of that is uh, you should enjoy nature more. You should be able to take time to smell the roses because... There is a lot happening, a whole lot happening in the world and in our society. And you need to focus on the present and being able to make yourself happy because what's on the other side is different. And you know how much humans hate change. So prepare yourself, uh, be good to yourself and, um, uh, I will talk to you later. You can always listen to new episodes on the Open Bar Experience uh, website, which is openbar.space. You can also go to the Open Bar Experience in Instagram uh, page, as well as on Twitter. You can find me by David Dacry TV. Also, I've started a uh, weekly episode called the Seven Minute Saturday where I get to discuss uh, different pairings and different ways in which I like to enjoy beverages. And that is from spirit, wine, beer, coffee, or tea. Uh, right now I'm doing uh, some cigars because I do enjoy rum, whiskeys, different spirits with uh, cigars. I have enjoyed cigars also with tea, so I will do tea and coffee as well. Uh, I am not a uh, cigar smoker, daytime cigar smoker, so, you know, uh, that's kind of a thing for cigar smokers, for, for people to do it a lot. These episodes are for novice cigar smokers, for people who have wanted to get started in smoking cigars or want to try it out. There is an inexpensive way of doing it, and I'll be showing you that. I'll guide you through it. There is uh, a plethora of great cigars out there with good prices. Um, there are very inexpensive ways to keep a humidor at home, and this is not you know, that is going to keep just enough cigars for you to, to, to smoke when you want to. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and keep the conversation going.